0: Welcome to the Speak Healing Words podcast. I am so glad you have made your way here. I am Janelle, your host for today's conversation. We are in week four of our four weeks in Ephesians 4. We're delving into these beautiful verses tucked in this brilliant letter written by a man named Paul. Paul was an apostle in the first century church. He was a follower of Jesus and his teachings, and he wrote many, many books in the New Testament. He was a scholar, a wise, very wise man who had an encounter with God on an ordinary road called Damascus Road that changed the face of history. In all honesty, Paul was a man who was fiercely committed to killing Christians, other followers. And here he was on his way to murdering more Christians, little Christ, followers of the way. And a bright light stops him dead in his tracks and blinds him for three full days. And during those three days, we're not told a lot, not much, not really anything at all. If, we're, if we look dig, and dig deep enough, but Paul, his whole entire life, even his name went from Saul to Paul. And he became in these three days, a follower of the way. So the people he once was persecuting, he now was part of this people group. He became an ardent follower of Jesus and his teachings and his way. And he writes in this letter in Ephesians 4 to the church in Ephesus and to the surrounding areas, and these words have resonated through history, and and we're talking about them today. These 32 verses I felt were very, very important to understanding how to truly be mature in our interpersonal relationships, how to be mature in our behavior patterns and in our communication skills. You know, here in the Speak Healing Words community, we are committed to the threefold cord of healthy emotions and healthy spirituality. That threefold cord being a healthy sense of self. We know we have a strong sense of our God-breathed identity and then we have very strong, healthy patterns of behavior and healthy communication skills. So today we're going to take just one verse. It's the last verse, verse 32, Ephesians 4:32. Let me read that to you now. Paul writes, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as Christ in God forgave you. We see in this verse a threefold chord, a threefold chord of maturity in our relationships being kind, being compassionate. Some versions uh, say tender hearted. Love that. And the third chord is being a forgiving person. So, kindness, tender heartedness, compassion, forgiveness. If we move through our lives from this position, if I move through my life looking, remember we, we've been talking about looking the framework that we look at life through. And if I look through the framework of kindness and mercy and tenderheartedness and compassion and forgiveness, I will move through my life in a whole different way. So, you know, we love to go into the words within the word. And so let's dig into these, this threefold chord these, these words. Kind in the Greek is from Christos. It's an adjective and it means, (laughs) it's amazing when you really understand what Paul and God are trying to say to us here. It means fit for use, able to be used. So, it is akin to the Greek word krameo, which means to use. It means to have good, virtuous, mild, pleasant virtues in contrast to what is hard, harsh, sharp, or bitter. Whew. So, Paul is saying be kind, be someone. With these positive, beautiful, and in our language, healthy, godly virtues moving in your life, practice these things. You are a person people can count on being manageable. You're not hard, sharp, harsh, or bitter. My goodness, we all who likes to work in an environment with a harsh, hard, bitter, sharp, Coworker. Well, I don't think anybody here wants to work with someone, let alone be that person. So in our Ephesians 4 study, we have been looking in the mirror, being introspective and evaluating and assessing our own hearts. Where are our hearts? How are our hearts doing? Because inside of our hearts, we know that above all else, guard our hearts, guard our affections, because absolutely everything in life flows from our heart. So we're taking a good, hard look in the mirror at ourselves, at our heart. And that's what we do here. And we do that with no judgment. We do it with love and grace so that we can come into and become our God-breathed very best self. I want to be a person, and I know you do too, or you wouldn't be here. Who enters a space, whether it's at work, at church, at home, in an athletic event, you fill in the blank, you walk in, and wow, you bring into that space these virtues, these beautiful virtues. Kind, manageable, fit for use. I love that. Tender hearted and compassion. Our second strand of this threefold chord comes from the Greek. And I will not pronounce this right. Yesophilognos, I think. It sounds a lot like esophagus. It sounds a lot like uh, exactly what it means. And it means having strong bowels. <laughs> yes, that's what it means. In the Greek, In the Greek culture, the bowels were regarded as the seat of the violent emotions of love and anger and passion, the passions. In the Hebrew culture, it was the seat of the more tender affections like kindness and compassion. So a tender heart just meant a heart in which mercy resided, not judgment, now, judgment's not always wrong. We have to judge a tree by its fruit. That's what we're told in Matthew. But the judgment we're talking about is shame-based and harsh and hard. Shoulds and shouldologies. When people should all over us, right? Right. <laughs> So Paul is saying, I want you to be kind. I want you to be a person that's manageable, that's fit for use, that has very healthy, positive virtues operating in your life. I want you to be mature. And I want you to be a person whose heart is tender and compassionate, meaning that it knows how to manage all of its emotions. It's not a heart that's hard and closed and judgmental and bitter. So I had a, a a beautiful person last week share with me that compassion was really hard for them. You know, I just don't have compassion. I don't I don't know how to make compassion <laughs> something in my life. How do I practice this? Help me. And I said, you know, some people are. We've talked a lot about the enneagrams, and uh, you can read more about that on my blog or on my Facebook page at Janelle Reardon at Speak Healing Words. And there are nine personality types that encompass this enneagram uh, personality typing system. I am a two with a very strong wing, but uh, like an enneagram five is a is a more stoic, a more um, probably less empathic, less compassionate. And ERAM fours are hyper compassionate and over empathic. So we want to be balanced. And so God needs every aspect of our personalities. And that's what makes up a whole body of the body of Christ. That makes up what makes up a family. That uh, That's what makes up a marriage, relationships. We need each other. We're not all going to be the same kind of personality. And we're wrong to think that everyone thinks like we do or everyone should think like we do. Case in point, my husband and I are very different. He is a very different personality than I am, but we yin our yang. We balance one another out and that's what makes us so strong and so healthy. And so as we've learned to accept each other's personality weaknesses and strengths and develop them and grow and have a growth mindset, we have become stronger and stronger, and I like to say today, we're stronger than ever because we both have this growth mindset. We're both committed to being healthy, and we want our family and our lineage to be healthy. So kindness, fit for use, tender hearted, meaning really um, knowing how to have a heart that is malleable, tender, and can offer to another person mercy and not judgment. Forgive, then, our last chord in our threefold chord of this healthy relationship quotient in Ephesians 4.32 comes from Charizameo, and I think that's how you say it. I, to bestow a favor unconditionally. It comes from Apollo. Which means to let loose from. So, to release someone is to forgive someone. So critically important. So, as you keep these three chords in your mind the cord of kindness, the cord of compassion and tenderheartedness and mercy, and then the cord of forgiveness keep those circulating, keep them right there in your prefrontal cortex, your rational brain. As I propose to you, well, what I think enables and empowers us to be able to move through life in the Ephesians 4.32 way. In no way, shape, or form am I, Janelle Reardon, human being, able to move through my life and offer kindness, tenderheartedness, compassion, forgiveness, mercy every day of my day, all day on my own. I do not have that capacity. I might be a good person and I mean, I might be kinder than most people. I like to think that I am. I like to think that I'm relational and personable and that I can look people in the eye and, you know, but just today, just today, I was sitting at a stoplight. I was actually foo-fooing my hair, just getting, you know, some stuff done in the car. And uh, the stoplight that I was at is a very fast green to yellow to red, green to yellow to red. And I looked in my mirror and there was no one behind me. But all of a sudden, this white truck comes up next to me, this big old truck. And this man is ranting and raving at me. I mean, I saw like the shadow in the peripheral and I looked and I thought, holy cow, is this man want to talk to me? And then I realized he was just flat out railing me. He was angry. The light turned green, the light turned green. And then he turns right. He wasn't even going straight. I was going straight. I thought, well, what did that accomplish? And I thought, thank goodness I am in this verse today. That my mind is rolling it over and over and over. Be kind, tenderhearted, compassionate, forgiving, as God, Christ, and God forgave you. So, I mean, I didn't have any opportunity to respond to this man. He just blasted me and kept going. And I just thought, oh, bless him. He's an angry. He's real angry. He's got an anger problem. And yeah, I would. I don't like it when someone in front of me is looking at their phone, and and we've missed the light, and I need to get to an appointment. But I do, I toot my horn and I let them know because I know how easy it is to, you know, we shouldn't be looking at those phones in the car, but dang, we do. So how then do I practice this verse, these words, this sentence in my life on a daily basis? I am, I'm just convinced that man probably I was just in his path. Somebody had ticked him off earlier and he was in a rush he was stressed out and he was not happy with me i caught it but i didn't catch it cuz i let it go i just it totally went off slipped off my back like duck off water off a duck's back but i truly believe that the only only way i am able to move through my life and practice kindness and gentleness and tenderness in these things is if i janelle am first and foremost connected to god because I am, I, I self-identify, you know that, as a follower of Jesus, much like Paul. I had a conversion experience in college, and I believe in the teachings of the Judeo-Christian worldview. The Bible is my 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 heart. And so I believe it offers a way to move through this life, and I will live eternally in heaven because I followed the way. And so... Knowing this, I, Janelle, because I, I shared my story so many times, and you can go back and listen to episode one and two, about my earthly father, who was an alcoholic, and I truly despised him. I just, I don't, I was very intuitive and very, very sensitive, and I suppose I, I just knew that he was drinking and having affairs and doing things in life that were not healthy. Call it sin, call it an addiction, call it whatever you want to call it. I, As a young child, I couldn't discern any of that. All I sensed in my body, in my emotions was disgust and despicable. Like, this is despicable. Don't hug me. I felt that. So I know that I, once I received that invitation to walk with God and through his son Jesus become a Christian I knew I had to love I had to learn how to love easy oh no oh no but I had to learn to love my father and one of the great things that uh, that happened was I did I had full restoration and reconciliation with my father on his deathbed and I'm so grateful for that and so I can sit here and and witness to you and say to you and call back to you, is there someone in your life that you just don't want to be kind to or be tenderhearted or compassionate because they they are not love loving towards you and they've hurt you and um, you you just can't find your way to forgiveness? Well, step one is is right here. We just we open our hands, we sit down, and I did it through tears. Father, help me love my father. Father God, help me love my father. I don't love my father. I don't want to be around my father. But God is a source. He has an expansive, endless, unlimited, infinite source of love and mercy and compassion and all of those virtues we've talked about here today. It never runs dry. Never. So if I can learn the practice of coming to my father in heaven. And that would be via the contemplative practices, the spiritual disciplines of silence and stillness and solitude and prayer. And that in and of itself begins the process. Just sitting down wherever you are walking, you just say that brave three word prayer, God help me, God help me. God, help me love that person. Help me be kind to that person. Help me. Remember, just being aware sets transformation into motion. Being aware of the hate that might be inside of your heart. You don't want it there. I didn't want it there, but I didn't, and I didn't even put it just, it just was there and yet, once I knew better, I did better, and I asked God to help me. So first and foremost, in order to live out the, this unction in Ephesians 4, 32, we have to come to God. He's the source of love. He's the, the deep well that we can draw from when we have nothing. Secondly, those practices of solitude, silence, and stillness, and prayer— they connect us to God. They connect us to ourself. They invite us to slow down. They invite us to move through our life from a place of collected strength, which is what rest means. If you need a refresher course on this, in Overcoming Hurtful Words, my newest book, Practice Five, Collect Strength, walks you through, holds your hand I, I help you with the, the words that I will hopefully pen that will bring life to you. And I write this, it was a, a beautiful, beautiful paragraph written by one of my favorite literary giants, Anne Morrow Lindbergh in Gift from the Sea. She writes, it is not physical solitude that separates one from other men, not physical isolation, but spiritual isolation. When one is a stranger to oneself, then one is estranged from others too. If one is out of touch with oneself, then one cannot touch others. Only when one is connected to one's own core is one connected to others. I'm beginning to discover. And for me, the core, the inner spring, can best be found through solitude. She writes about this connection that we're talking about, and connection comes from the Latin root connectere, cone meaning together and nectare meaning bind. So once again, we have this image of the threefold cord we talk about, and Solomon wrote about in Ecclesiastes 4.12, a threefold cord is not easily broken. That threefold cord is our connection to God, our connection to self, and our connection to others, and it forms such a bond that we are able to move through life from a deeper place of rest. And when we have rest inside of our souls, we're not overwhelmingly burdened and rushing and frazzled and fractured and one way and the other. We can actually be kinder and more tenderhearted and more forgiving. Now, I was afraid of the silence, trust me. Silence can be deafening. Author Alan Fadling of An Unhurried Life, Following Jesus' Rhythms of Work and Rest. Oh, I love Alan and Jem as his wife, G-E-M. I want that name. Jem Fadling. They have a beautiful series of books and resources available on their website, An Unhurried Life. And I'll give you that link over on our Facebook page. But he writes, rest is not a place I collapse into when I've finally done enough work. Please, here's where you lean in. Here it is. It's the starting place. It's the way into the well-fitting, easy yoke of Jesus. What if we begin or began in rest? Would it be possible to do my work without getting all wound up or collapsing? Does Jesus seem to you to be all wound up, straining and stressed as he works. No, he's continually abiding in a place of peace and joy, affirmation and acceptance. In the decades before his ministry, Jesus was 30 when his ministry started. He spent 40 wilderness days. There he was willing to wait. And his example calls us to cultivate that same posture before the Father. The Spirit of God will lead us to places where we live out our trust in God by waiting and not acting. Waiting. The great, great author, poet, E.E. Cummings. I have to read this as we close today. You might, you might want to rewind and write this one down. He writes and he's and he's talking about the integrity of selfhood. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight. Now note E. Cummings wrote this way before social media platforms. And he's saying to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day. He did not have Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and all of these onslaughts of 24 seven, compare yourself, judge yourself, be everybody but yourself in his face. So this is not a new problem. This is just a fiercer problem in our day and time. Yes, E.E. Cummings. It does take courage to grow up and become who you really are. That is what we call our god-breathed self, our true self. You can certainly please go to my website janellerardon.com j a n e l l r a r d o n.com and link to the podcast, link to my newsletter, link to all of these resources that we are working so hard on to help you become your very God-breathed self. I want to save you from years of living in that E.E. Cummings quote of trying to be everybody but yourself. Come home. Today is the day to come home. Come home to your true God-breathed self because it's so beautiful and it has value, worth, and dignity and it's so, so good. So today, I pray that you can move through life in the Ephesians 4 way. I hope these four weeks in Ephesians 4 have been as much of a blessing to you as they have been to me. I truly believe I've been happier and I have been healthier. And I hope and pray that is the same for you. So until next time, remember, you have value, worth, and dignity. Be blessed. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and conversation, please join the Speak Healing Words community at JanelleRiordan.com.